1: Welcome back Monday, June twentieth, twenty twenty two. As we head into hour two, we do so with Brandon J. Weikert, geopolitical analyst, warns the Weikert Report, contributor to the Washington Times, American Greatness, Asian Times, author of two very important books. One out right now, you can get your hands on if you want, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Another you can pre-order right now, out in just a couple of months, The Shadow war iran's quest for supremacy hello brandon j weiker how are you sir
2: hello seth i am well i'm literally in the throes of finishing up the manuscript for my third book entitled biohack china's race to control life which will be coming out tentatively via encounter books uh spring of twenty twenty-three. oh
1: fantastic so encounter picked you up huh
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That is fantastic. What year's that coming out?
2: Next spring.
1: Grand. grand. That's just grand. That's great. I'm um, congratulations. Uh the, what Thank you, you are contributing keep... you're, you're you're saying things that need to be said from an analysis that we have been missing for 20 or 30 years. We used to get the kind of oh, analysis kind. you provide. You betcha. Well, you're very kind to share it with us. I'm glad you took your well, studies and learning and Able to articulate complex things uh, seriously enough to want to dedicate it to the public's education, Brandon. Really, thank you.
2: That's what they tell me. Thank no, you well, so listen. Much. I
1: mean, I've always, I've always loved this about real scholars, you know, who are committed to the cause. You can tell, uh, you know. Do they sign up to work uh, for major corporations so as to earn high six and low seven figure numbers and lobby organizations, or they do they go to think tanks and write books? I, I always just, you know, my first big bosses uh, that anyone would have heard of, Gene Kirkpatrick, Jack Kemp, and Bill Bennett when they hired me to run empower america with them one of the one of the greatest things aside from you know the opportunity of a lifetime just people don't know they took no salaries they just did this right. this this was just important stuff to them and you just do this and it's we let the record reflect we don't pay you for these appearances brandon you know, <laughs> for better or no, worse <laughs> we're here to maintain <laughs> your credibility don't you know <laughs> it's important that you maintain your credibility <laughs> So, uh, there, I want no, to do a lot with you. I got to do a lot with you here. We got to do the Middle East. We got to do Asia. We got to do. <laughs> let me let me just start with this. We'll get to Iran and Israel. You and I were kind of fascinated by something Steve Hayward wrote up. But oh, let me yeah. just do well, this. I'm with always you.
0: fascinated by things. You yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's they're they're good over there. Uh, but let me yeah. start somewhere else. Let me start with Ukraine, Brandon. Um, there's uh-huh. a piece in the New York Times today by someone I don't know. Maybe you do. It doesn't matter too terribly much. Bonnie Christian. And oh, no. she yeah, she, I don't
2: read the New York Times. I get you know, it. Though. Okay.
1: Cue the joke. Cue the joke. Are we sure America <laughs> is not at war and Ukraine is her title? You can probably divine what she's saying, but let me just put it this way. I'll give you her last paragraph. Are we at war in Ukraine? If we swapped places, if Russian apparatchiks admitted helping to killing American generals or sink a U.S. Navy vessel, I doubt we'd find much ambiguity there. And she goes through the history of presidents saying they're not taking us into war. We're not at war, obviously. Wilson, he kept us out of war. LBJ. What's the old joke about LBJ? I was told I had to vote against Goldwater to keep us out of vietnam i yeah. voted against goldwater we went to vietnam right are we are we at war in the ukraine it's it, it, your sense of it
2: um we are at war in every way but uh, overtly okay we you know we have several volunteers supposed uh who are supposedly retired many of them u.s and british uh, the U.S. in this case, special forces who are fighting embedded, uh, within the, uh, Ukrainian military who are, uh, being directed or are working alongside Ukrainian, uh, soon the Ukraine's uh, national command authority. Um, so they're using their experience and their know how and their own weapons and training that we gave them over years. Uh, to fight and kill Russians, and, and by the way, I, that's their right, that's what they do, we, that's okay, that's, we had American volunteers in the Spanish Civil War, we had American volunteers uh, fighting the Nazis far earlier than when the U.S. entered the uh, Second World War. However, if these rumors coming out of eastern U- U- Ukraine are true, that a handful of former U.S. Marines have been captured, by Russian forces advancing on Ukrainian positions, uh, we now have a new set of problems here. Because I don't believe the Russians will make distinction between the fact that we may have retired U.S. military personnel who have of their own volition gone over to fight for the Ukrainians and kill Russians, uh, given all of the paranoia and all of the material support and diplomatic support and intelligence support our government has given, uh, Ukraine against Russia. Uh, I also, uh, I also would say that, that we are, uh, we do have U.S. special forces deployed to, at the very least, Western and Central Ukraine, the so-called safe areas of Ukraine, providing, uh, logistical support as well as training. Uh, I got into a lot of hot water about two weeks ago when I had mentioned this, and a member of the U.S. Special Forces community lit me up on social media, uh, but then had to basically concede that I was correct and that we did have many Special Forces operators operating inside of Ukraine, officially in the safe parts, but as we know from 20 years of Vietnam, Um, when we had U.S. Special Forces trainers uh, supposedly only training South Vietnamese forces, and then it was later revealed long before we had actually gone to war with North Vietnam, those Special Forces guys, because this is who they are, they wanted to go out there and fight alongside the guys they were training and to lead them into battle, and they did. And I am worried that something similar is going on, and I'm only worried not because I want to deny those guys, you know, honor, but because... If they are, in fact, captured or killed and their bodies are discovered by the Russians, what's to stop Moscow from using that as a political point of leverage against an already flailing America under Biden? Um, I, I am very concerned. So, yes, the New York Times is finally acknowledging that which you and I have been talking about for months, which is that, of course, the United States is in a quasi or shadow war. Uh, with Russia, and that shadow war is is not going to stay in the shadows for very long, if we, unless somebody, an adult, takes over in Washington and reigns some of these excesses in.
1: Brandon, uh, you said something in the midst of your comments that I'm wagering most people are unaware of, and that is that Russia has evidently captured two Americans. That is
2: the rumor, right? right. It is not
1: confirmed, right? Right, but it's it's you out know, there. NBC News it. has covered it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's out. it's it's hit. Okay. It's hit NBC. Uh, it's also hit the Guardian. And um, okay. I'll tell you what it reminds me a little bit of. I'll tell you why I'm I'm going to take it extremely seriously. Is during the ISIS uh, campaign throughout Syria. The Obama administration misled us. Um, we have oh, yeah. a personal connection to it here. Two people in Arizona. A teacher was killed by ISIS, and of yeah. course, you remember Kaylee Mueller, uh, Mueller from Prescott yeah. and her family. Um, and she was uh, she was uh, killed. All of that was while uh, Barack Obama was claiming that there were, that 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 ISIS was junior varsity. All of that. All of it. Yeah and 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 I don't want us to be in a situation here again where we're not being told the truth- I mean the days of not being told the truth about Americans on the ground in war zones the, the, that that day really should have come and gone. That day really should have come and gone because yeah, God yeah, knows I don't know what we're going to do if we see Americans being held hostage by russia i it will it will change everything.
2: It's well. It's going to happen, and uh, because there's no one in Washington in control. There's, there's. You've got Ron Klain. You've got John Kerry. Susan Rice. Jill Biden trying to keep her husband in line. You've got the Kamala Harris wing. You've got Barack Obama pulling strings behind the scenes. Uh, you've got way too many hands on the steering wheel right now. Joe Biden, of course. Think about all bad. those
1: hands. Think about all those hands, and the fact. That we haven't mentioned Lloyd Austin, who is our Secretary of Defense, or Anthony Blinken. We have all those hands, yes. and we haven't even gotten to Blinken and Austin.
2: Well, Blinken and Austin are yes men; they're just there along for the ride. Okay, so they're just you know right. same thing with Jake Sullivan. L- Austin, Let me hit Anthony, the commercial he,
1: real quick, I, just yeah. so I don't cut you off here, Brandon. Let me take the yeah. quick commercial break, and we will be right back. I'm Seth Leipsan. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. I take their fruits and veggies every single day. Pure, potent plant power keeps me healthy, keeps my energy up, keeps my immunity boosted. It can do the same for you. 100% natural, every part of it. 100% third-party tested, best product I've ever taken. Balanceofnature.com. Use discount code BALANCE. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest, the author of The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. We're talking about uh, Russia, Ukraine. We're going to do some other parts in a moment. Any other further thoughts uh, you wanted to conclude with on uh, Russia and Ukraine, Brandon, before we moved on to other. I
2: am increasing, I am increasingly reminded of that wonderful scene in that amazing movie, The Hunt for Red October, yeah. when Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan is standing on the deck of the aircraft carrier and the Emerald, played by uh, Fred Dalton Thompson, looks out at the burning wreckage of one of his warplanes and he says, this thing will get out of hand and it will get out of hand, and we will all be lucky if we can live through it. Mm. And that is exactly where this situation is headed. Do not expect an end anytime soon. In fact, I really do think we are we are probably, this thing's going to lead to a nuclear war. I think we are going to have some kind of nuclear weapon being popped off at this rate. Um, and I, if I were Poland, I would be very, very worried that they're going to be the target uh, before anyone else.
1: Is there an immediate way to avoid that brandon is there an immediate set of things we could look at or attempt that would that would de that? yeah
2: de-escalation is the only thing right now um you know the russians i think both the ukrainians and russians despite their bravado uh both sides have pretty much fought to exhaustion yeah the russians are the russians they're fighting to maintain an area they've always had, which is eastern Ukraine. So it's not that hard for them to appear victorious any more than it was hard for Ukraine to appear victorious in Kyiv when that was an area that, of course, they should have been able to control. You know, this is so ridiculous. There is a place of, of negotiation that should be taking place now. And because the United States and its allies keep pouring fuel to the fire rather than trying to douse it, We're risking something very worse happening very, very soon, at a time when our enemies around the world are pressing against America because they think we are weak and distracted, and, and if they pull us at the same time in multiple directions, we'll split right down the middle, and we very well may.
1: Brandon, on that point, thank you, on that point, does that explain some of the goings-on with the odd election results coming out of Colombia right now a little bit, too?
2: I am seething with rage. Um, People may not know this about me, but one of my passions when I worked in government was uh, I loved working with the Colombians. I thought the Colombians were just wonderful uh, they were a, a, a nominal ally. Uh, you know, they're the Israel of South America is what I used to call them. Yeah, that's and, a good—I
1: um, I would call them that. Yeah, that's good. And
2: right. they just—I remember in 08 when they had that, they almost went to war with Venezuela yep. and Ecuador. And, yep. I mean, I just—I have a very soft spot for Colombia. I do, too. It's a beautiful country, uh-huh. too, by the way. Yep. And now it is being thrown to the wolves after finally, finally coming— To a point in their country's history where ELN and FARC, savage narco-terrorist organizations, left-wing communist paramilitary organizations, who are funded by the the drug trade and supported by the likes of Venezuela, Russia, Cuba, and yes, Iran, uh, we were finally reaching a point where there was some semblance of victory and stability for our friends in the Colombian government, And now, because of Biden and because of the the strategies that the left has been up to throughout Latin America, supported, by the way, by China, uh, it looks like they now have, for the first time in decades, a very radical left-wing president in Colombia who is vowing to, quote, reset relations with the United States, which is not good. Uh, that is a bad thing because they already had good relations with us, so if he wants to reset it, that means he's going to make the situation worse uh, and is, will likely see a return to the kind of narco-terrorism that plagued Colombia in the 80s and early 90s that we and the Colombians had spent so much time and money trying to end and had basically ended uh, in Colombia. And we probably this new president allow for a lot of Venezuelan, you know, chicanery to go on will probably allow for Cuba to have some kind of insane amount of, of influence, and will most definitely allow for greater Russian, Iranian, and Chinese influence to come into Colombia. And will definitely make his people poorer and his country less safe. And it is just reprehensible. This could have all been avoided. All of this could have been avoided.
1: You know, it seems to me Biden's uh, Biden's previous boss, Barack Obama, did a lot of the same kind of stuff when it came to Honduras. Oh,
2: he was horrible. We too. just got yeah, on the yeah, wrong
1: side wrong. on Honduras. We've been on the wrong side with Venezuela, well, and we're on the wrong side with
2: s- fellow travelers. Yeah, Seth. these are these are communists. These are crypto communists, and and just like Obama and just like Biden, they're crypto communists too. Well, Biden's just a useful idiot, but but you know, they're they're, they're these guys. They're siding with fellow travelers. That's
1: all they're doing. It, it it was so avoidable. It was so very avoidable. You know, you let, let up on the gas in some of these places, and you you open your eyes and you find out, holy smokes! Or take us back in Nicaragua, holy yep. smokes! Uh, the, yep. uh, the 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 Venezuelan uh, Maduro regime is back up. Is uh, is Everything leading Colombia? Yeah, right.
2: Yep. Right. Yeah, it's disgusting, and it was totally avoidable. And you're right because let me tell you something. You know, these lefties, both in the United States and throughout Latin America, oh, they love to talk about the people and they're protecting the people. Well, it's the people of the region who suffer the most under these left-wing governments because these left-wing governments care more about their ideology and their personal power enhancement and wealth creation than they do about protecting their people from savage criminality and terrorism and foreign intervention from Places like China, Russia, Cuba, Venezuela, and Iran. And that these guys that are going to take over Colombia, it is going to be Sending that country back 30 years, God help us, because that was the only country in the region that was solidly pro-American and was benefiting because of that. And brave. And Man,
1: were they the brave. Awesome. You know, you ever meet some of those they some were. of those nationals that fought off the FARC and the cartels? Oh, my gosh, they are such a beautiful a people.
2: I, I knew a colonel down here in Florida who retired. He was uh, he was a current Colombian army and he was charged with basically destroying FARC in the early 90s. And he did. They, he they were did. the best people in the world, crap. those
1: guys. I, I knew some of they them, were. too. And, my God, I mean, you know, they were better Americans than a lot. Of, well, no, I would never I mean, say that. Tough, but they, they were, they, they, they were as good as the best Americans. Let me put it that they way. They were. Yeah.
2: They were. And they were talking. They were such, you know, they were such, you know, uh, tough guys. They were, at one point, sending Colombian advisors to Nigeria. That's right. To help them fight Boko Haram because they were so effective at fighting FARC and ELN. That's
1: right. That's exactly right. gone
2: to pot now.
1: Yeah, gone to pot. Brandon Weikert, don't go away. Don't go to pot or anywhere else. I want to talk (laughs) to you. (laughs) It's not a place. Maybe it's a state of mind. I don't know. Uh, We... um, I want to talk to you about Iran and something Steve Hayward wrote over at Powerline, which yep. is quite intriguing. We have our president going to Saudi Arabia. Not sure who he's meeting with, depending on who you ask, him or his secretary of energy, but he's going. I'm Seth and He's Brandon Weikert. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth. My guest is Brandon J. Weikert. He joins us every Monday, the author of several books, one coming out in October, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He's at work on his third book right now. He's a columnist for Asia Times, America Greatness, other outlets. Uh, Brandon, let's talk a little bit about Iran saudi arabia and joe biden's trip there as well as um israel uh joe biden said he would not be meeting directly uh with uh uh, mbs mohammed bin salman right is that right i have that right mbs mohammed bin salman and um on the other hand uh his secretary of energy said he would be it's um It's a little all over the place. But Steve Hayward postulates that the main reason for Biden's forthcoming trip to Saudi Arabia uh, is to pump up more oil to relieve pump prices here. But it's not really credible. He says, if you think about it, the Saudis conduct their oil policy strictly in accord with their own self interests. Steve is speculating that there's a lot of other things going on here. What say you?
2: Well, I think that most of what he wrote is 100% accurate. In fact, I tweeted this article. I said, did someone give Steve a copy of my new book, The Shadow War? Good. It hasn't come out yet, but he's touching on a lot of what I talk about. And obviously the book was written before all this you know, kerfuffle with Biden and MBS. Just as an aside, how embarrassing is it that a year ago, and it stayed true today, through to today, the, Mohammed bin Salman refuses to take Joe Biden's phone call? Yep refuses to take the president of the United States phone call. And we can get over at MBS all we want, but why don't we put ourselves in his shoes, right? Or his, you know, whatever. Uh, Because here's a guy who is surrounded right now by enemies. He has, MBS, has uh, enemies within his own royal court who want to remove him because they view him as the usurper. His cousin, Mohammed bin Nayak, was supposed to be the one that became the right. you know, the next heir apparent, right. uh, and he used to have him. They jumped over him, Yep. Then he's got to deal with Iran, which is the big bugaboo of his, which is right next door, and is constantly trying to attack and, and harm Saudi uh, uh, national security and to attack Saudi Arabia's essential oil supply. Uh, and then he's got to deal also with Islamists in his regime, as you know, Saudi Arabia is where majority of the 9-11 hijackers came from. Bin Laden himself was a a Saudi. Uh, So he has to deal a lot with radical nut jobs in his midst. And so here is his only real ally, the United States, being led by a man who has spent the last three years attacking, uh, not just Saudi Arabia, but directly attacking MBS, uh, in the public square, going after him because of Jamal Khashoggi's murder, going after him because of human rights violations. As if, as if Saudi Arabia has had some kind of positive uh, human rights record. It hasn't.
0: It's <laughs> right. Saudi
2: Arabia, right. I mean, come on, right? You know. And so here's Saudi Arabia, uh, the uh, leading, uh, per, you know, uh, creator of fossil fuels for the world. And now that Biden has destroyed our domestic energy production capabilities, we are now more exposed to having to deal with other countries that produce oil, like Saudi Arabia, like Russia. And here is Biden, after cutting off Russian energy uh, from the world market, at least for the West, he's now turning around and doing everything he can to alienate the leader of Saudi Arabia so much so that when he calls, Biden calls uh, Riyadh and says, please, please, please pump more oil so we can lower the cost of, of energy for, for the American people, the leader of, of Riyadh, uh, MBS, won't even pick up the phone. And there's that. And then you've got this added thing where now he has to go half-hand to Saudi Arabia to try to get Saudi Arabia not just to help with the oil price, which they won't, Uh, but also to try to beg them to support his idiotic Neville Chamberlain-like attempt to uh, get an Iran nuclear weapons deal. Uh, uh, Now here he is going, and now he's saying he won't be meeting with MBS. He'll be meeting with some other figure who has absolutely no power, real power, in the Saudi system as a sign of, you know, showing protest over uh mbs's unapologetic human rights abuses this guy biden is an embarrassment he's going to get us kicked out of the middle east at a time when it's never been more important for the united states to be involved in the middle east and i don't know what else to say other than it's disgusting and I, you know it's this is just horrible and this, this L- L- hold England the thought hold the brilliant. thought
1: because i also he is going to israel and that could be pregnant with a lot of potential issues as well you know i Boy, I, oh, it's
2: gonna be hard. not, not it's the gaff disaster. machine. Let
1: me take a quick break. Let's pick up on that, too, when we come right back. And we got to talk a little bit more about China as well, particularly China and Russia of late. I'm Seth and He's Brandon J. Weikert. Don't go away. She's Carly Simon. We'll be right back. Back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out Why Refi. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to ten and quarter percent for investors in a collateralized, secure portfolio. Why Refi is in the business of helping people dig out of debt the right way by actually paying off their debts, doing so with dignity. Why Refi is also a due diligence approved firm. It's, as I say, run by really great people. I know them well. You can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. dot com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then r e f y dot com. dot com, or give them a call at eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. That's eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. Brandon J Weichert is our guest author and columnist, also publisher of the Weikert Report, Weichert Report. The Weichert Report dot com. W e i c h e r t. W e i C h e r t is how he spells his name. I did that without looking at anything. I got that right, didn't I, Brandon? W e i c. That is very impressive. Okay. Very well, impressive. <laughs> when your name is Liebsen, <laughs> you get you tend to you can tend to do Weichert a little <laughs> a little easier or take it seriously. <laughs> Biden's going to Israel too, and. Um, Steve, yeah, that'll Hayward, be another disaster. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, it is, and uh, Israel's going through its own little bit of a government uh, shakeup right now. It, th- that's nothing new. I, I assume it'll 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 lead to, if anything, more stability. But but he, Hayward's talking about a low intensity Israel war that's already that he thinks is already yeah. taking place, if not about to break wide open. I wonder what your perspective on that is.
2: Well, well, the first thing I'd like to just realize, as an aside: your audience at some point should Google the term. Sadam Touch, or Sadim Touch, S-A-D-I-M. It's the opposite of Midas Touch. So whereas in Midas, uh, anything he touched turned to gold, uh, Sadam Touch, anything that Satan touched turned to, well, crack. And that's how I view Joe Biden. He, anything he touches, he destroys, whether he means to or not. And so whether it's the Saudi relationship, the Colombia relationship, or now the Israeli relationship, you, your audience can almost expect that he is going to completely destroy any positive thing that we have going with those relations, um, and so toward that end, you talked about the the low intensity Israeli war. Well, as you know, in my book, and I'll a little spoiler alert uh, early in the book, I run through um the The suspicion that the Beirut blast of twenty twenty in August right. of that year right. may have actually been um, you know an explosion that was not an accident right. uh, that it either was someone purposely detonating a Hezbollah weapons depot in the port or it was uh, an accidental uh, detonation, and that that could have been part of the ongoing shadow boxing. Between Israel and Hezbollah, backed by Iran, uh, we also know Caroline Glick has been reporting this for years, the sort of mowing-the-grass operations that Israel has been conducting against Hamas, which, of course, as I detail in my book, uh, Hamas is also supported increasingly by um, uh, Iran, even though they're not the same part of Islam. Uh, they have some disagreements, but they've overcome that. And so um, there is a low-intensity war going on, and it is going to erupt into the open very soon, particularly if Biden continues to demonstrate this level of incompetence and weakness uh, when it comes to the Middle East, whether it's him trying to be Neville Chamberlain 2.0, giving Iran the bomb with this nuclear deal, or whether it's him distancing uh, the United States from its traditional partners in Israel and the Sunni Arab states, notably Saudi Arabia. Uh, it doesn't matter. He is going to allow for that shadow war, that low-intensity conflict, to erupt. And by the way, without American backing, however implicit, or without American support and, and security guarantees, if that shadow war breaks out into the open between Israel and Iran, it's not a guarantee that Israel will be able to properly defend itself. Uh, and this is why um, you know, uh, Jed Babin, the former undersecretary of defense, From the George H.W. Bush years, he's written a brilliant op-ed in the Washington Times, where I also write, uh, where he's revealed that on top of the Iron Dome defensive system that that Israel has perfected to protect their people from these these barrages of Hezbollah and Hamas, uh, Iranian-provided precision-guided missile systems, uh, but they've also created in Israel the Iron Beam, which is a next-generation uh, defensive system that relies on lasers to shoot down uh, 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 these incoming missiles, because now uh, Hezbollah and Hamas have figured out that they can overwhelm the Iron Dome with multiple missiles right. in a single barrage. Right. So what what the Israelis are doing is trying to build a laser system that can zap out those uh, those multiple incoming uh, Iranian-backed missiles. Whether it will work or not, I don't know. But the fact is. This is going to be put into practice in large part because Joe Biden is pulling the United States back from its traditional allies so much so that our traditional allies can't rely on us anymore. And by the way, uh, David Goldman has been writing about this at the other place I published The Age of Time for about a year, saying that it looks like Israel is starting to flirt with both China and Russia as a way to get new security guarantees protect them from Iran on the diplomatic front because they can't rely on Joe Biden and Washington anymore. This is a disaster.
1: This is disaster. what Eastern Europe was saying after 09 with Obama taking off their missile defense, uh, the taking away their missile shield. Yeah. Yes, this, this exactly. Is the, this is that thing. on steroids. Yes. It, yes. It's interesting to me this is taking place, and I don't know, reading the room, it's interesting to me this taking place, Brandon, at a time when... Politically, it seems set up to have – you have an administration and you have a loudmouth squad in Congress, which is run by Democrats regardless. It seems like it's – the times are kind of set up to force Israel to make more uh, geopolitical concessions. But it, my read of the room is it's not in the air. It's not in the air at all. It's, it, it, the pressure that you used to see exist on that kind of thing or transecting Israel into the way Obama had proposed, it just doesn't seem like anyone else is interested in that these days, aside, aside, aside from the fever swamps of the left, which haven't changed on this. It, maybe I'm misreading it.
2: Well, they hate Israel. Yeah, 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 like that, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, and, and we have to be careful because on the right as well, there is a new group that is very skeptical of our relationship with Israel, that sort of Pat Buchanan-inspired wing. Uh, And uh, so so there is a sea change going on, along with a generational shift in both parties, that is more Israeli skeptical, which is another big problem, because Israel may be a tiny country. But it is a highly sophisticated, highly advanced economy with a very well-educated population and a dynamic and growing technology sector. And if we are so gung-ho, whether it's AOC or some of these members of the new right, if we are so gung-ho about pushing Israel away as a matter of survival, and you can't blame the Israelis, They will have no choice but to get closer to China and or Russia in order to protect them from the insanity of the mad mullahs who rule Iran. The mad mullahs, by the way, who are completely beholden to both Moscow and Beijing. So for Jerusalem, they may not have a choice, even if they don't want to. They may not have a choice because the new generation of American political leaders are becoming increasingly anti-Israeli. And so they may not have any other choice but to sidle up alongside China and Russia as a means to get Iran to back off lest Israel be left out in the cold. Oh, we could end up with no allies anywhere.
1: This is just fantastic. All right, listen, i got to take yeah. a quick break. You want to do a concluding yeah. thought, uh, a few minutes on the other side? Great. We'll finish up on the other side of the break with Brandon J. Wyker. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. Thank you again, Brandon J. Weikert, for spending your hour with us. Brandon, let me just get you to comment on this, maybe, as 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 we have a short segment and end up here. Uh, it's trite, but it's true what Daniel Patrick Moynihan, former ambassador to the U.N., once said. The world is a dangerous place. And I have taken that thought to consider after our long run of history and wars for various reasons we've engaged in. The best we can do right now is try to tame it or excite it one way or the other. Seems like we're hell-bent on exciting it right now. Donald Trump did a pretty damn good job of taming it, and it just doesn't seem like it's actually that hard depending on which you want to do. I have no idea why you would ever want to excite the dangerousness rather than tame it, but it just seems we're hell-bent on a track to excite it.
2: Well, this is, it's important to note that there... I have in the past written that in certain instances it is actually better to embrace the chaos and turn into it rather than fight it. But what we are doing now, there's nothing strategic or smart about what the Biden administration is and has done. Everything they are doing is simply inflaming crises everywhere at once, uh, either on purposely or because they're just imbeciles. Uh, and I, I don't know what it is anymore, but. There is a time and a place to, in specific instances, to embrace the chaos and use it to work for you. The Chinese are very good at this. Um, We are not so good at
1: it anymore.
2: We used to do it in the Cold War and covert situations. We don't do it that well anymore. The Biden administration's version of inciting chaos, though, is not strategic. They are, whether it's Latin America and Colombia, Colombia, like we just talked about. They seem like it's it more of a Mr. Magoo.
1: They just walk around and, and are... Exactly
2: right. Okay. And I don't know if getting rid of Biden is going to make it any better. Yeah, I don't either. It seems like he's not really in control anyway. Whoever's surrounding him are the ones calling the shot, and they're going to be around long after Biden leaves in the Democratic Party, and these people are absolute thunderheads. They're going to get us off. I don't want to cast aspersions on anybody, but they're going to get us off killed. And, uh, you know, the Republicans, had better not mess up this upcoming election. And they very well may. And furthermore, 2024, they better not mess it up because there's not going to be any do-overs after that.
1: All right. Right, listen, Brandon, I agree, and I want you to spend next week with us talking us talking to us about how Republicans can and should not and can and cannot screw this up. Because I think you're right. I think you're right. And, you know, foreign policy doesn't always become much of an election year issue. Reagan made it one. Other than that, not much. Uh, but I think to our detriment, we got to do it. Can yep. we talk a little bit about Republicans and foreign policy next week? Absolutely. Brandon J. Wyker, you're a blessing. Thank you, sir. Well,
2: thank you for
1: Absolutely. I'm Seth Leapson. I'll have my monologue coming up. Don't go away. We will be
0: right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.